0: Hello there, it's great to see you again. This is MLEX's podcast, albeit a special edition to mark the publication of our latest special report. I'm James Paniki, MLEX's Asia Pacific Senior Editor, and this week it's off to Australia, where our Sydney-based senior reporter, Laurel Henning, has spent time with the Chair of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, Gina Cascotlieb. The top competition official has been in the role since March 2022 after a long career as an antitrust lawyer. And it has been an action-packed first year for cascot as the competition regulator continues its review of digital platforms and juggles several highly contentious lawsuits. There's also the ACCC's criminal cartel enforcement campaign, although things on that front now appear to be back on track after a shaky start. And to discuss the special report, I'm joined now by Laurel Henning. Laurel, let's maybe start with a personal and then move on to the the technical. Uh, firstly, what kind of person is the relatively new chair of the ACCC? Uh, how do others describe Gina Kaskotlieb? And what was your interview like?
1: Thanks, James. Well, when Gina Kaskotlieb was appointed as the head of the ACCC last year, when she was taking on that role, I did speak with a few of her peers at that time. And There was definitely a common theme among the comments that came back to me. The the words were calm, meticulous, and that is definitely the atmosphere in the room when we were having our conversation recently. Uh, Cass Lieb is a a very calm person. She's very measured, very considered. And I think that's really an approach that she brings to her role at the head of the ACCCC. We discussed her family background, uh, the fact that no other family member before her had studied law, that she, you know, her father was a doctor, um, her uncle, a well-known politician in the Gough Whitlam government, her mother, a very well-known and respected sociologist and feminist. We also discussed just why Cass Gottlieb decided to study competition law, obviously without other family members ever having studied law, and that the University of Sydney didn't even offer competition law at the initial stages of her academic career, and so she ended up having to travel to the US to to do that. So here's what she told me about why she chose to become a lawyer specialising in competition.
2: Uh, I probably never really wanted to be a purely black letter lawyer, and the intersection of economics and law makes it immensely not only commercial and dependent upon what's happening economically and commercially, but also gives the opportunity because it is fundamentally, I mean, it's expressing now the purpose of our act, it's for the welfare of Australians, it's fundamentally for social outcomes.
0: And that was a voice of Gina Cascot Leeb speaking to Laurel Henning. Now, Laurel uh, Cascot Leeb was an early partner at law firm Gilbert & Tobin, often the only woman in the room. Tell me something about how she describes that.
1: That's right, James, Cass Lee joined Gilbert and Tobin as the 11th partner of the law firm, and the first female partner as well. She describes that time um, of setting up a law firm, a boutique law firm, as it was then, it's enormous now, Um, as a very collegiate time, you know, these lawyers would be having breakfast together discussing exactly how they wanted to practice the law that they specialised in. And you know, Cass Gottlieb also set up the law firm's competition and regulation group in the early 90s. Um, and, and she was there until she took on her role at the head of the ACCC just last year. And it's that collegiate approach that she brings to the ACCC, or indeed, she says, is already there and is something that she enjoys. She pointed out to me that while obviously the public service can be known to be quite hierarchical, she told me that the ACCC isn't like that and that she herself doesn't stand on hierarchy. And with her and Liza Carver, who came from Herbert Smith Freehills, uh, in top positions at the watchdog, there was a, I'd say, a sort of expectation last year at the time of their appointments that there would be this tip in the balance at the top of the ACCC, away from economists towards former private practice lawyers, and that perhaps that would influence the inner workings of the regulator. But Gina Cascotlieb, she told me that this tip in the balance, as it's perhaps perceived, Instead sort of emboldens those working within the ACCC, within those investigative teams looking at deals, investigations, it emboldens them to consider the fact that those at the top of the regulator will already be thinking about the questions and considerations that are part of the work of those internal teams and units. In terms of the wealth of female competition expertise in Australia, it's certainly something that I've noticed in my time here over the last few years. And I think competition law is sort of stereotyped, I would say, as a quite male-dominated area of law. And in Australia, Cass pointed out to me that there was someone she referred to as and does refer to often as the mother of competition law Maureen Brunt and she was an early um, academic thinker official as well in terms of making some key competition early competition decisions in Australia and those early writings sort of formed a path Cass Scott-Lieb told me for other women considering competition law and also and also men and and Cass Gottlieb points out that really what Brunt showed in her writings was this intersection of economics and competition, as well as the variety that sits within competition or the fact that you are constantly learning about different markets and different market structures. That's why Cass Gottlieb describes this as a marvellous career in area of law to practice.
0: And this is a fascinating part of that uh, kind of cultural and historical background of competition law in Australia, which you Bring to life in your special report. Now, 2022 was a big year for the ACCC in terms of criminal cartel enforcement. What did Cascot Lieb, and we're getting onto to specifics here, what did Cascot Lieb have to say about lessons learned uh, for the regulator and also what might be coming down the track?
1: Sure, James, let's dive on in. So, I think while 2021 was a challenging year for the regulator, for the C in terms of collapsed trials and also acquittals for some of the earliest criminal cartel cases in Australia, 2022 was a real turning point, I would say. We saw the first jail terms handed down for individuals in the Vena Money transfer case, although those were suspended sentences. And we also saw the longest sentence handed for an individual handed down in the Alkaloids of Australia linked case against a former employee, Christopher Joyce, I asked Cass Leeb to tell me something about what the ACCC has learnt from those earlier setbacks, obviously before her time, but also how the regulator has turned this recent corner.
2: I think a lot has been learned there. But in addition, we are very carefully thinking through which sets of facts and circumstances are better pursued civilly. For instance, if there's going potentially be a defence raised that the parties aren't relevantly competitive with each other or that the parties may be within a joint venture exception, then complex questions for lawyers and economists, let alone for a jury. We have, exactly as you said, Laurel, had some key successes in that. And we're also very conscious that the prospect of criminal sentences for individuals is a huge spur to deterrence and to compliance.
0: Yes, that deterrence argument is one that the ACCC makes often. But of course, the regulator still hasn't won a contested criminal cartel case, right? And there's a debate as to how appropriate the Vina money transfer case may have been in terms of cartel prosecutions.
1: That's right, James. In terms of contested cases, I mean, this is something you and I have spoken about a lot previously in terms of our reporting together and also on our podcasts. But I would say this is something that Cass Gottlieb is aware of. And she's aware that there is potential for change further down the track if that doesn't happen. There's a potential for perhaps judge only decisions, but that would would require changes to the act itself. And she was very clear that, you know, we're not there, we're not there yet. and that the A C has had this this very successful recent year, a year that she expects to emulate this year. And in terms of veNA money transfer, while it was a decision taken before her time to refer that to uh, the federal prosecutor, she backed that decision. And she pointed to the fact that, yes, these were small family-run businesses, but let's not forget the individuals that were affected by the conduct of which these companies were found guilty in the end. She said to me, when I think about cartels, I do think that if it quacks, it waddles, it has feathers, it's a duck. She said, I know a cartel when I see one.
0: Yes, that quote is uh, certainly, I think, the the best quote of the uh, of the special <laughs> report. Now, will increased maximum penalties, which have come about um, thanks to legislative changes, will those? Uh, increased penalties change the ACCC's approach do you think?
1: Yeah so late last year we saw this five-fold increase in maximum penalties for competition and consumer law infringements specifically for companies there. There are also increases for maximum penalties against individuals. We saw those increases passed by parliament. Now it definitely came up when I was discussing this increase in maximum penalties with sources last year that perhaps the ACCC, with this these tools at, at its disposal, might decide instead to target very large companies with civil cartel cases and smaller companies, perhaps less well-resourced companies, with criminal cases, because then it won't see the ACCC, or by then the CDPP, the federal prosecutor, won't see its case Pulled apart detail by detail in the way that we saw with the infamous banking cartel when that collapsed in February of last year. You know when you've got very well-heeled defendants, they can afford to take years picking apart a case in pre-trial hearings, in a way that less well-resourced individuals and companies can. And so that was something that a few lawyers were sort of positing with me. I put that to Caskatleeb. She absolutely rejected this idea. And to be fair, there are a few recent cases now before the court that would completely go against that. And here's what she had to say.
2: The reason the ACCC will not take that approach, and and we won't, there are a couple of reasons. The first is the really important deterrent effect of criminal prosecution, Mm -hmm. which informs the criteria that we apply in making our decision. And it is about... How material is the conduct? How serious is it? And how much harm is it likely to have caused to consumers and to the economy? And frequently, the answer to that will be the conduct of the largest companies. That criteria is not going to be in effect disrupted or perverted by us thinking is this one that we think we could get a higher civil penalty from because we are committed to pursuing the most serious conduct criminally, provided we think that the nature of the case, which is the issues in it rather than the parties in it, is well served in a criminal context.
0: Okay. now the ACCC's fifth interim report on digital platform services came out in November. You spoke with Cascotte-Leib at the time, but what did she have to add in this latest interview in terms of the Uh, next year and a half of reporting on these issues?
1: Yeah, we touched on a few things here, James, particularly the fact that the Digital Platforms Inquiry, the, the interim report... It got quite a quiet response when it came out in November. And really, cass Gottlieb said this was down to sort of two things. First, the fact that the ACCC has already done a huge amount of work on these issues, momentum has already sort of been gathered, change is already happening, and also there's now a lot of change happening overseas. Secondly, There are a lot of gas market issues happening at the moment in Australia, as with elsewhere in the world. And really, those issues were particularly capturing national imagination at this point in time when the report was released. We also discussed the fact that when the first ACCC Digital Platforms Inquiry began in 2017, it was really about the influence of then Facebook, now Meta, and Google specifically on competition in the media And advertising industries. I mean, we're a long way from that kind of report now. It's now completely data driven. We're looking at other digital platforms, we're looking at TikTok, we're looking at YouTube, Be Real even, I think, gets a mention in the latest social media report. And really, the ACCC now is looking at all the different ways that data is collected and handled by big tech companies or just digital platforms. This obviously led recently. That pivot in approach is something that Cass Gottlieb is aware of and said is forming the regulator's decision as it considers its next steps and potential reports on cloud services, Internet of Things, and everyone's favourite, artificial intelligence. I asked her to tell me a bit about how she's viewing the ACCC's work on digital platforms between now and a final report that's expected in 2025.
2: The manner in which highly granular, very personalised, large quantities of data in effect become monetised and a currency, Mm -hmm. still without necessarily full understanding of users Mm -hmm. and how it both is the source of the business driver Mm -hmm. in many services, in new acquisitions, uh, for example, but also how important it is in an analysis of where does market power sit.
0: And, Laurel, finally, payment systems are a bit of a pet project for Cass Gottlieb. Why are they so important to her and also, I suppose, why they're so important to the AWC?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Cass Lieb was learning about payment systems when she made that move to the University of California in the 1980s to study competition law. Competition law and financial systems And services are the two things that she told Gilbert and Tobin's competitive edge podcast in 2022 that she's really carried with her throughout her entire career. Uh, While she was at Sydney University, before she made that move to the US, she was studying sort of 19th and 18th century financial instruments. Uh, But it wasn't until she got to UC Berkeley that Cass Gottlieb looked at operating constituent documents of Visa and MasterCard, a company of course that the ACCC now has an antitrust lawsuit against, and Cass Lieb also studied the SWIFT payment system. We should note as well that she was appointed in 2013 to the Payment System Board of the Reserve Bank of Australia, the country's central bank, and was reappointed to that role in 2018 ahead of her move to the ACCC. Now, in our interview, Cass Gottlieb told me that the ACCC will continue to focus on competition in the payment systems industry. It obviously has an ongoing investigation involving Apple, which uh, there should be some news on this year, she told me. And in part, that focus is because the services provided by operators, she said to me, are, quote, so critical, particularly with moves to e-commerce and, of course, a challenging time for household budgets. Here's what she told me.
2: So we will continue to have, including because payment systems and services are so critical, they not only facilitate all commerce, very significantly, the big move to e-commerce. In a time of difficulty in household budgets, the difference between paying 30 cents for a payment on sort of every transaction or a smaller amount of money makes a big difference. How much the ticket is clicked makes a big difference.
0: And that was Gina cascott beep speaking with Laurel recently and all of that will be part of the special report which Laurel has put together. Thank you for all of your work, Laurel. It's a great interview and a great read.
1: Thanks, James. Great to chat with you.
0: Laurel Henning is MLEX's Sydney based senior correspondent, and her special report is ready for you to download. Just head for our website, MLEXMarketInsight.com. That's M L E X MarketInsight.com. You'll see a link to the special report displayed very prominently. You can also click on our News Hub tab, where you'll find a link to an archive of MLEX's special reports including our recently published review of crypto assets and green finance put together by our global financial services team it's all there ready for you to read and the associated podcasts will help you navigate those reports and don't forget that our regular podcast appears in your feed every friday today's program was produced and presented by me james Paniki. it was brought to you with the kind assistance of mx's marketing team in london and the podcast's executive producer is Richard Thompson. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now.